0: Today's episode of Canary in a Coal Mine is brought to you by shopremoteoffice.com. Now, if you notice, the show looks a little different today. I got this fun little background behind me, and you would have no idea that behind me is a green screen instead of the bedroom that I am occupying right now because I'm under the weather, so I've put myself in self-quarantine. But thanks to my friends at shopremoteoffice.com, you too can have an amazing backdrop for all of your podcasting, Skype calls, business meetings, whatever you need, and nobody will have any idea where you are. They'll have no idea what's behind you. They'll have no idea if there's kids' toys. But anyway, visit our friends at shopremoteoffice.com, enter the discount code Ari Hoffman, and save 10% on your order. That's shopremoteoffice.com.
1: Meantime, tensions are mounting as a new autonomous zone has popped up in Portland, Oregon. The new area is now being called the Red House on Mississippi and has become a war zone of sorts. Local media reporting members of Antifa and BLM are among those rioting and attacking police within the autonomous zone. Our next guest has been reporting on what's happening there in a new I- article titled Portland's Autonomous Zone Occupied by Armed Antifa Militants. Joining us to discuss this piece and what's going on is Ari Hoffman, a reporter with the Post Millennial and former City Council uh, candidate in Seattle. So Ari, thanks for coming on today. Tell us a little bit more about this autonomous zone and how the Red House came to be.
0: Well, it might be wrapping up soon. Apparently, Mayor Ted Wheeler of Portland, who allowed 100 consecutive straight nights of rioting in the city, has... Completed negotiations of a deal with the terrorists but basically what happened was there was a family that are sovereign Morris and what they believe is that they're entitled to land and they are not US citizens. They have a son who killed somebody while he was driving with a with no driver's license and then another time was caught driving a fugitive around. They mortgaged the house in order to pay for his legal bills and then felt they didn't need to pay for the mortgage. They haven't made a payment since 2018. Now we're finding out there are allegations of animal cruelty against this family, that they own another house elsewhere, and yet they've been claiming that they lost their house to the banks. Meanwhile, they own another house, and a GoFundMe was established and raised over $300,000 for them, and the house was only bought for two seventy.
1: Okay, so a lot going on there, a lot of backstory, and yet all of this seems, quite frankly, pretty sketchy. You mentioned initially that there were some negotiations going on between the mayor and these people who live in the House and members who are participating in this zone. What kind of negotiations are these? What do these people really hope to accomplish here, and what's the mayor agreeing to?
0: Right now, it seems as if the mayor is trying to negotiate a deal where the people who bought the property as an investment will sell it back to the family, and now the family is flush with cash. What they're trying to accomplish is really just giving in to terrorists, because what happened is these Antifa activists will take anything and use it as a flashpoint. And as soon as they heard this family was being evicted, they tried to capitalize, saying they were indigenous, and moved in and started stealing barricades and barriers from construction sites, any piece of wood they can get their hands on, and building this fencing. This isn't like the Seattle shop, where depending on what time of day you went, it was more dangerous. This is round the clock, Antifa activists guarding the place, who claim that they're going to dismantle the zone now that they have this agreement with the mayor.
1: Well, it is Incredible how quickly these people do seem to gather together and create their own zones and internal government and rules and people guarding the area. But you mentioned CHOP. I want to go back to that for a moment. Uh, Of course, the autonomous zone in Seattle where the homicide rates, the city. Of seattle where homicide rates are soaring up close to 75 percent compared to the same time last year according to recent data now the city is weighing a bill that would ease some crimes under a so-called poverty defense here's a brief breakdown of the policy proposal here i'll show it on your screen it includes Theft, trespassing, assault, excludes domestic violence and driving while impaired. Uh, we really showed in the spotlight on Seattle over the summer, but tell me what's going on in the city based on this so- sort of new legislation uh, that's coming out in Seattle.
0: Seattle has crime that's spiking 250%. The murder rate has more than doubled since the same time last year and eclipsed last year's numbers completely just last month. We're at double the amount of murders we had last year total. So the Seattle City Council has decided that rather than having police enforce the crimes, they're going to defund the police and they're going to decriminalize misdemeanors because the only way to solve the kinds of data that they're seeing about spiking crime is to just forget it's ever happening.
1: Well, good timing that the uh, mayor decides to retire, Mayor Jenny Durkin. Really quick, Ari, I know you ran for city council. Would you consider running for mayor of Seattle?
0: I always keep my options open, but the question is, is there really a path to victory in a city that has gone so far
1: to the left? Mm. Well, they welcomed the chop zone with open arms. Ari Hoffman joining us live this morning here on National Report. Ari, thanks so much.
0: Thank you. Have a great day. Welcome to Canary in a Coal Mine, your early warning system for all things absolutely insane and crazy happening in the wonderful state of Seattle, state of Seattle, city of Seattle and state of Washington. I'm your host, Ari Hoffman. So I'm a business owner and it's been, I don't know, nine, ten months since this whole thing started. Wait a minute. Hang on. Christmas is going to be the literal nine month anniversary of two weeks to flatten the curve. Think about that for a second. How much money have we seen in help from the government of Washington State? How much money have we seen in help from the government of Seattle? Nothing. How many dollars have we paid into the tax system of those two over the past few years? Let's see. This business, let's take my event rental company. Let's see. Last five years, including thousands, thousands of dollars. I'm not going to say millions, but definitely thousands and thousands of dollars. My property taxes, everything else. Schools are closed, police department's being defunded, and all my money is going to pay for liberal activist causes rather than helping me in a time where I need it because the government shut down my business. Yes. The event rental company is one of the first things that was closed because events were canceled so quickly and will probably be one of the last things to reopen. And one of the other things that's impacting my company so much is the constant break-ins. Just can't afford it anymore. People have had enough. You can't give somebody a $1,200 check from the government assuming they qualified for it expect them to live on that for 11 months. I love at the beginning of this, it was, well, you're not a good business owner if you can't survive for two weeks without revenue coming in. As insane as that was, anybody saying that with 11 months? I also do love the fact that now you're hearing about herd immunity, herd immunity, herd immunity. You know, there was another way to get to herd immunity, which was by letting this thing go through all the people who were healthy so they would have antibodies and then moving on. We could have done that months ago, protect the people who need to be protected let it go through all the people who are healthy, who are not at risk. Could have done that to get to herd immunity. Now they're talking about herd immunity with the virus. They want X amount of people vaccinated so they can get to herd immunity. Before, when you mentioned herd immunity, they laughed at you. All these doctors and specialists said, no, no, no. What are you talking about? You don't know what you're talking about. I love how this keeps getting turned and turned and turned and turned. But people can't do it anymore. Town of Mossy Rock, Washington, population 800. Decide this weekend they had enough. Last month, they unanimously passed a resolution at the city council, um, which was sponsored by the mayor, I believe, saying that they wanted all businesses to open against the governor's orders. So this weekend, they had a big festival and people came from all over the state to shop at the businesses there because they're open and to support them. I love all these people who say shop small, support small business. Meanwhile, they're the ones advocating for you to stay home. Guess what? You killed the small businesses. Yes, all of you with your virtue signaling, you killed the small businesses. I have an article up in the Post Millennial about Mossy Rock, Washington and how they opened. How is the government spending your money? Governor Jay Inslee yesterday announced a plan to spend millions of your taxpayer dollars on racial equity. Yes, racial equity. He says the whole system is systemically racist. Question, if Democrats control every branch of government for the most part, and have done so for 50 plus years. And oh, maybe not that many, maybe 30 plus years. Anybody wanna tell me what that means? Doesn't that mean that the Democrats in Washington state are systemically racist? I'm just saying it, think about it for a second. So they spend all this time calling everybody systemically racist. They're gonna spend millions of dollars to solve racism, right? And they're not going to help your businesses. That's what's gonna happen. One of the organizations they're giving money to is Africatown. Millions of dollars to Africatown. You remember Africatown? I've mentioned them before. They're the ones with that guy who's the owner, who's the anti-Semite who started the organization. Yes, Omari Tahir Garrett, the guy who yelled at a Jewish business owner in Seattle to go back to Germany so The one who disparaged an Asian business owner at a bank. Yes, that guy. They're giving him millions of dollars and his son millions of dollars. These are guys who faked a on their own location. I'll have an article about that hopefully tomorrow. But millions of dollars is going to them. And if that wasn't enough, millions of dollars are now going to climate change or combating climate change. One of the things is about dairy production. I assume that has something to do with farting cows. But my absolute favorite thing on this list that they're spending millions of dollars on is retrofitting public buildings to be more green. There's nobody in the darn things right now. Businesses are closing. You're gonna retrofit public spaces. You should be renting those out. You figured out how to work remotely. Let's save some money, sell the public buildings. We don't need to solve climate change in them. Sell them, help us. No government employee has missed a single paycheck since this whole thing started. Yet we're gonna spend millions of dollars on climate change. And Jay Inslee thinks he has a mandate because he got elected by so many people. Now I know those of you claiming voter fraud in Washington state, show it to me. And don't say Dominion voting machines. They're in one county, Franklin County. Don't tell me voter fraud. I'm tired of hearing it. Show me the proof. If you think there was voter fraud, show me the proof from Washington State. And now some of you are going to say to me, oh, all these people, they should have cleaned the ballots. They should have cleaned the uh, rolls, the voter rolls. Great. Prove it. Prove it. Somebody show me a shred of proof. We're going to have a guest on later from the Culp campaign who's going to talk to us about that. We'll ask them for some proof. But please, prove it to me. Really, if you think there was voter fraud, prove it to me. But In the meantime, James Lee does have a mandate. So many dumb Washingtonians elected the guy. You get what you vote for. And unfortunately, that means that Washington State is no longer a place that is business friendly. It's not even family friendly right now because nothing is safe. That is how bad things have gotten When you let the mob rule like Jay Inslee, like Jenny Durkin, like the Seattle City Council have, this is what you get, a place that's not safe to live. And that takes every dime you have before shutting down your business so you can't work anymore. That is what you are left with. So, we got two interviews coming up in this episode, one of some people that just aren't taking this anymore, and one from the Cole campaign, and we'll get to hear from them what they think about the voter fraud and what they find behind it, and if they have a credible case. We'll see you after a brief word from our sponsor. Welcome back to Canary in a Coal Mine. I'm here with Andrew Gustafson who is here to talk to us about a group of people in Whatcom County that have had enough of governor slash king slash tyrant Jay Inslee's edicts about businesses being open and whether or not you can be and is here to tell us about what him and some local residents are doing. Andrew thanks so much for being with us and what can you tell us about this organization?
2: Thanks so much for having us on here. We Will Whatcom, wewillwhatcom.com is a Loose association of neighbors, business owners, uh, friends, concerned citizens uh, that came together here in Whatcom County, uh, very ad hoc style, just got together and started meeting uh, after the uh, Inslee locked us down before Thanksgiving. And it was pretty clear what what we were opposed to right off the bat. And that was, we were opposed to his restrictions on how we were gonna celebrate Thanksgiving and we were gonna take it. And that's really the genesis of the group right there. How do we push back against Inslee dictating to us how we're gonna celebrate Thanksgiving. As the science becomes more and more clear that this is not what it appears to be, and we should be able to make personal choices and be responsible for our own decisions. As uh, one of our members is fond of saying when we have gotten together at the events, I won't blame you if I catch COVID. And you don't blame me either. We're all responsible for our decisions. And Ari, Ari, I gotta tell you, from that first meeting on a Tuesday night and a follow-up meeting on a Thursday night, so that Saturday before Thanksgiving, we pulled together a rally like that. It was amazing to turn out. We had about 150, 200 people at this first rally in this soccer field parking lot between Bellingham and Linden, Washington. And uh, that uh, turned into a road rally. They drove all the way down uh, i five ways and then back up to Linden to support one of the businesses that was really part one of the crystallizing effort uh, entities that we were all kind of uh, gathering around. And that was the Fairway Cafe in Linden who had at the time before Thanksgiving, you may recall, uh, bucked the closed down order and said, we're staying open, we're being safe. And this was one way that we were gonna support them and support everybody's personal choice to decide how they were gonna celebrate Thanksgiving. And it was a huge success.
0: So let me ask you a few questions. Are businesses in for the ride on this? I mean, you mentioned one that's open, but would you say that more and more businesses are starting to open because of this? I mean, people can go wherever they want and do Thanksgiving however they want. There's no way the government could ever enforce that. But really what it comes to is if you look at like what happened in Mossy Rock this weekend, where a big chunk of the town said, we're not gonna go along with this. Have you been receiving a lot of support from local businesses saying, yep, we're in with you and we're not gonna follow this either?
2: We didn't know at the time when we had that first rally and we called it the Turkey Rebellion because we were being just a little clever and tongue in cheek with it. And we had a lot of fun with it. And you can see a lot of our videos that we've posted on wewillwatcom.com. We really did want to inspire businesses to open up. And we were inspired by Fairway up here in Whatcom County saying they were gonna stay open. Now at the time, you'll recall before Thanksgiving, there was probably only a handful of businesses around the state who were being that brave and that bold. But I think because those businesses were bold and because Fairway was bold and maybe in part because we got together and said some things, we started getting more feedback from other businesses. Now, you know, as well as I do, many of them don't want to raise the flag too high. They don't want to be called out, nor do they want to be called upon by LNI or liquor or anything like that. But they're quietly rebelling in, in small and big ways. And so we got such positive response, Ari, that we planned an immediate follow-up event. So Thanksgiving happened and then we planned something else. We thought, well, what's more clever than the Turkey Rebellion? Let's have the Santa Rebellion. And up here in Lyndon, Washington, week and a half ago, every year, they have a light parade. All the tractors, all the implements, everything in the community dressed up in lights going down the center drag of Linden. This year, you know, because of COVID, they had to do a reverse parade, which is where the vehicles are parked with lights on and the people drive by. Chamber of Commerce in Linden, I know it's crazy. Chamber of Commerce in Linden was having trouble even getting
0: people to submit entries, to dress up their truck. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I gotta, I gotta stop you there because this is too crazy <laughs> for words. Hang on a second. Last time I was at a parade and it was one in a small town that did like a Christmas lights it parade. Yeah. And you're still like 20 feet away from the nearest float. So, what was the thinking behind this? Why can't they just drive by? I don't understand.
2: Bless their hearts, Lyndon Chamber of Commerce. They were really trying to do their best in organizing this, working within the Whatcom County Health Department's restrictions and guidelines. So they were cleverly came up with this reverse parade. The vehicle, the uh, parade entries were parked and lit up, and the people were driving by and walking by. Oh, so by. they don't
0: want the people standing next to each other. That, they don't uh, want to stand
2: next to each other. So, so be, the the plan was that this this that this lighted Parade that we were gonna crash it, basically. The Santa Rebellion was gonna show up early. It's a light parade, so of course it happened after dark. It was officially starting at five. Well, we just pulled up to one of the empty parking lots right in the middle of the parade route with a flatbed truck with speakers. And uh, we had put on enough advance notice Uh, We told everybody come and meet us in that parking lot at four o'clock and we're going to have a little rally and we're going to inspire the business owners. And that particular rally was all about inspiring businesses to open up. We used Fairway again as an example. We called out other businesses that were being brave and being bold and opening up and basically making the case that what can they really do if you all open up? There is not enough liquor control. There's not enough L&I to come and shut you all down. And we're getting to know these people too. We're finding out their names. We're finding out what little chickens they are when they're actually confronted. So what can you really do? And that rally number two was the Santa Rebellion. And that was all about inspiring uh, businesses to open up. And we got such a positive response off that Ari, that we planned the Santa Rebellion part two. And that just happened this last weekend. And I'll tell you about that in a second. You
0: know, I'll tell you, I got something right here. This I framed. This is the, uh, oh, look at what my blue screen's doing to it. This is the um, letter that I got from Jay Inslee six times telling me that my business was operating illegally, even though they would never respond to any of my phone calls. They would never talk to any, anybody. Nobody was ever available. They had some stooge in the office answering them. And I said, how are we breaking it? Please tell me, come down here and inspect. They actually, this was interesting. Labor and Industries told me they wouldn't send an inspector to inspect my event rental company. And I said, great, can I get a, an extension? on my permit renewal, you know, just right. until this is over. And they said, no, we can't do that. I said, so let me make sure I got this right. I have to have an inspection, which you say I'm not allowed to have because you won't give me uh, an extension on this permit. I'm gonna lose my insurance and everything else like that. The stupidity that comes out of these people is absolutely mind boggling. So in the end we did the inspection cause they wanted us to, I said, well, if you're gonna make us do an inspection where we have to be close to the one we're doing deliveries we're gonna operate and try and stop me. And I got four more letters. But, you know, now they're just a collection. I'm just going to hang them up on the wall. That's what they're there for.
2: Right. Yeah. And that's the same thing for many of these businesses that, you know, rally, Santa Rebellion Rally 1 was meant to inspire, was look at the examples of businesses like yours, like Fairway, uh, like others, 50s and whatnot, that are being brave and opening up. Look at the support that they're getting and engendering from the community. Look at how many people are looking for an outlet just to get out and would gladly come and support you. So be brave and bold, bold and opened up. And that was Senate Rebellion number one. Positive response, so, and you'll recall, this was a week and a half ago. This is when we started seeing, uh, this is when the Fouch came out and said, okay, actually the schools is the safest place for kids after all, my bad. And that compiles on top of Redfield saying, hey, no, get them back in schools. And even um, that creepy Chris Reichdahl character down at OSPI who just recently was quoted, uh, or he was caught on video or something like this. I've got the quote, I snagged it and posted on my Facebook saying that this, yeah, he had to acknowledge that this experiment in uh, virtual schooling was failing even his own kids. So those three things come out inside of a week and a half of each other. And this is right before Santa Rebellion won, so we say we're doing this again. We did this route, this last rally here just this last weekend here in Bellingham, Washington. Now we're getting down into enemy territory, Ari, because as you know, Bellingham is mini Seattle, and downtown Bellingham is just a giant cluster. It, it, it looks like mini Seattle with the tents, and it just, it's a mess. So we stayed out of downtown Seattle. We parked it in north Seattle. And our backdrop was an, was to shut down Billy McHale's restaurant, not because of this, but it just as a great example to what could possibly happen if you continue down this path, you will see our countryside littered with abandoned restaurants, not unlike this shuttered Billy McHale's. And we pulled up that flatbed trailer again, speakers already ready to go. We had three excellent youth speakers that came up and spoke. This was uh, MC'd by the county's TP USA Turning Point USA, Representative, and so it was predominantly a youth-focused event. And on the heels of those uh, revelations from the Fauch and from Redfield, uh, this was focused on getting the schools opened. And we again turned out another 200 people, raucous crowd with their own signs. Even we had signs; they brought their own signs. Open schools now. It just happened that we planned this at the exact time that the Bellevue Association, School is Essential, was putting together their big rally to open schools down in Olympia. So what a great confluence last Saturday was of people from around Washington saying enough, we have to get the kids back in school so that the parents can go back to work so we can dig ourselves out of this economic depression. And it has to go in that order. The longer they keep the schools closed down like this and failing our kids, uh, the longer they're gonna stall out any chance we have an economic recovery. And this message yeah. was well-received. So, I mean,
0: I have, I have kids at home and they go to private school and their private school keeps getting open, closed, open, closed, because of who has this thing. I actually said to the principal the other day, I said, when do we get to the point where so many kids have had it? That we'd better just say, okay, the kids who haven't can stay home, but everybody else okay. can go to school. And I see my kids suffering from the online stuff. I see how their grades went up when they went back to school and are coming back down when they have to go back to digital school. I'll tell you what, I'll make you an offer right now. Any business that is struggling, okay, really, any business that is struggling, have them send me a 30-second script for a commercial, and I will put it on my show. We're local, right? We're trying to be in the area. You have them reach out to me the same way you guys did through Facebook Messenger. I've had this going for a while now. Any business that you know of that is struggling, have them send me a 30 second clip and I will promote it to make sure that happens. I had to sell one of my businesses recently, actually, because of this whole thing. And thank God I did okay off the sale, but it doesn't replace the revenue source that's supposed to be coming from that thing afterwards. You know? So if anybody understands what these guys are going through, it's me. What is the next event you have planned? Do you got something for New Year's planned or Santa part three or four (laughs) or five? You've nailed it, okay? Because, listen, our resolve is
2: infinitely strong. The longer Inslee persists, the more resolute we will become. This will be Santa Rebellion number three coming up this weekend. And, hey, listen, we're having fun with this. We are a bunch of happy warriors. We are out there. This Saturday, I think we're going to go out Christmas caroling the old folks' home because here's an entire demographic that's just been decimated literally by this disease, but also by the shutdowns and the depression for this old generation. So I think we're going Christmas caroling at the old folks' homes this Saturday, uh, re- January 2nd, as soon as, right after the new year, we're gonna have the New Year's Rebellion. And should Inslee persist, we shall have the St. Paddy's Rebellion. We shall have the March Madness Rebellion and we shall have the Memorial Rebellion because
0: what else, what do we have to do but for fight for our freedom? Well, and I'll say, don't it, fight now, it will not be there later for you. It's a good thing you're not doing Jewish holidays. You'd have no time to actually do anything because those are just all the time. I did give somebody an idea. I actually think this is how your group got a hold of me. I posted on Facebook that if you guys want to do something really great, you get a bunch of food trucks and you set them up outside Inslee's house on Christmas. And you actually just invite everybody to come. I mean, I know you want to be with your families on Christmas. So maybe Christmas day or the day before Christmas, bring out Santa, do everything out in the street in front of his house or do New Year celebration out in front of his house and watch how that goes down. Either way, but it might be something that'll get you some more attention. Ari, you you we had Santa at these last two events in a very fancy chair, real deal Santa,
2: a bold patriot himself, no mask, sitting there saying, "I'm happy to pose with kids." And he was just one of you know a, a, at least 150 at this last event. I tell you the through line on what you just said there about selling a business and doing all these extra things for other businesses. This is critical, Ari, what you're touching on. It's something that we said, and specifically I said in my speech uh, at the Santa Rebellion One in Linden, that there are those of us with fuel in our economic gas tanks right now. I'm actually doing okay. It hasn't really impacted me financially as much as it has for others. And there are those that are not going to make it through the weekend or through the week. And we cannot wait while they go down the tubes, and we can't wait for the pressure to come for us because when the pressure does finally hit us, there won't be anybody left to defend us. We have to stand up for those businesses that are being destroyed, for those families that are being decimated by the shutdown. We have to stand up for them now, even though we have, uh, we're doing fine and we may not have anything to lose. We actually have a a lot to lose by maybe getting involved at this stage. You're risking a lot by getting involved and being this vocal, you're putting a target on your back. We need more businesses and more people that still have resources to put up and get out there and
0: support because if you wait until it attacks you, it will be too late. I've been telling people that the whole time. I'm glad that we met because I think that we're going to be friends. So, Andrew, I really appreciate everything that you're doing. And I appreciate so much. What's the link if people want to be involved in your website? Is it a Facebook page? Is it a website? What's the best thing to do? We will
2: Watcom.com. Watcom is in the county, Watcom. That's where we're really putting up all the information. And really, we want to inspire other counties, other groups to do this locally. We're not asking for money, we're not doing anything like that. All we are doing is getting out the information. Uh, to people to embolden them to make big moves themselves. And we would love to see as almost on an insurgent level, if these types of freedom inspired groups sprung up in every single county and started having rallies like this, we shall all get together uh, and apply the pressure. We will make Jay Inslee
0: irrelevant. You guys are doing God's work. And I mean that by saving other businesses. Jay Inslee, God doesn't care about politicians. So (laughs) I appreciate everything you guys are doing. Thank you so much for doing it. And we'll be back after. Welcome back to Canary in a Coal Mine. Chief Lauren Culp, who ran for governor of Washington state, has not yet conceded the election of governor. Not that he needs to. An election process can go forward without a candidate conceding, as we've seen so clearly from national politics. But one of his campaign staffers, Chris Jurgen, is here today to join us and discuss some potential voter fraud that Mr. Culp is alleging against Washington state. Thank you so much for being with us today.
3: It's a pleasure, Ari. Thank you very much for having me.
0: So I watched the whole video with Dr. Pigeon and Mm -hmm. Mr. Culp, Chief Culp, laying out the alleged voter fraud. Would you mind summarizing it for my audience, please?
3: The alleged voter fraud is very simple, that uh, there are people that are voting or who are alleged to be voting, such as People that are over the age of hundred, uh, hundred years old, uh, people over the age of one hundred and ten, uh, people over the age of one hundred and twenty. Uh, when the oldest living known known living person uh, in the world is one hundred and eighteen, um, you know this this issue isn't not whether or not Mr. Cope won or or Mr. Cope lost. The issue for us is whether or not the election system that is being used in Washington state in its current form, uh, is secure. Is it fair? Is it able to be administered properly? And we believe that the answers to those questions are are that it is not fair. It has not been administered properly. And that there has been massive voter fraud that really has, has uh, yes, we believe that it that it did affect the, the governor's race, uh, or we wouldn't be filing a lawsuit. But but more importantly, we, we believe that it affected a lot of down ballot races as well. You know, I think of Bill Bruck up in uh, Skagit County. You know, he lost his race, his re-election race by 700, 700 votes. Uh, I mean, that's that is uh, that's a th- pretty thin margin. You know, you look at at uh, certain races, Steve O'Ban. Uh, lost his race. You know, there's there's some there's some some uh, razor thin uh, uh, margins here. That if there is fraud, uh, that it needs to be caught, um, because I mean, every one vote, Ari, that that shouldn't be there defrauds one that should. Are um, you so.
0: are the other candidates that you mentioned filing legal challenges? No. So no. why aren't they joining? Um, joining you guys with amicus briefs or anything like that to support what you're doing.
3: We haven't asked them to. Okay. Uh, So
0: do you think that they believe there was fraud as well?
3: Oh, I can't speak for them. I haven't spoken to them in particular on, on any of these issues. Um, you know, Mister, uh, Mister. I've never ever spoken to, to Steve Oban before. Um, you know, I just know because I'm familiar with with the different races that that were there uh, across the state. Um, you know, even things are like the like the sex ed bill. Um, does anyone really believe? Does anyone really believe that that 60 of Washington citizens in, a, in an election with record turnout, does anyone really believe that 60% of, of voters think that it's okay to teach pornographic material to third graders?
0: What has been my experience is that the typical Washington state or Seattle voter isn't educated about what's actually on the ballot. They just look at the D next to somebody's name or they look for the endorsements and they vote that way. Um, when I ran for office, I lost by a pretty huge margin, excuse me. And when I was looking at that, I saw, we figured out there was a ton of ballot harvesting. And while there were small incidents of voter fraud, ballot harvesting is not yet illegal. So do you, have you found enough incidents of voter fraud to make up for over a half a million voter gap in terms of the difference between Jay Inslee and Lauren Cole?
3: As far oh, as, as looking for the half. million, Like I said, you know we're still in the middle of looking through all of the through all of the election data. I'm not going to say that that we won't find it, but I will tell you that there were 330,000 people uh, registered to vote in Washington State that shouldn't be, that were registered in other places, who voted in other places, and in some instances voted in Washington State. So I'm not, gonna, uh, I'm not going to I'm um, not going to rule out that 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 figure isn't there, but we want we want an audit of the systems. We want an audit of what's going on because this is bigger than just Mr. Cole. You know, this is this is about our election system and our election system being fair and people having confidence in it. So, since the election's already been certified, do you think that perhaps a ballot
0: initiative, maybe to get rid of the Dominion voting machines in the one or two counties they're used in, or anything else of that nature, perhaps legal um, direction that way, rather than challenging the election results, may prove or yield more fruit for you guys?
3: No, and I'll tell you why because you put it on the, on, you make it an initiative, and we lose control of it.
0: Okay. So the bottom
3: line is Kim Wyman, uh, Kim Wyman mis- has mismanaging the Secretary of State's office. Th- this goes beyond R versus D, right? This goes beyond Republican. This goes beyond Democrat. If she was a Democrat, we would be hitting this just as hard as we are with her being a Republican. It makes no difference to us what team she says she's playing on. The bottom line is we have ev- evidence that she's supposed to scrub these roles. And for four years, she hasn't done it. And we have evidence, hard evidence. I mean, the, these people are, are you know, are putting, a, a, a signing a deposition under penalty of perjury saying that certain things are going on in the Secretary of State's office that shouldn't be going on, um, you know, and, and we want to find out what, what is going on, which is why I believe that we need an audit. And we've we've never alleged that, that the Dominion voting machines are are uh, this big uh, this big problem in Washington State. In fact, what we've said are from the very beginning is that Dominion um, really doesn't play a role in Washington State because Dominion is the Dominion system in particular is only used in one county, and that county is Franklin County. Right. Um, so, with know,
0: regards to, uh, to Secretary Wyman, she has said on every interview I've heard her mm-hmm. talk about that they don't scrub the voter rolls. So I'm not really sure where the big secret is in this. What's the way to solve this? If it's something that they admit they don't do because of different um, regulations that were signed and different things that were done under the Clinton administration. And I know they're supposed to be upkeeping it, but I've heard her say it a bunch of times. I don't think this is much of a secret.
3: She is compelled by law to do it.
0: Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Um, yeah. What is the um, basic layout of your lawsuit against Secretary Wyman, just that she's not doing the voter rolls, or is there more to it than that?
3: No, there's more to it than that. And and the specifics of the legal, uh, you know, the legalese and, and so forth, I'll, I'll leave that to Dr. Pigeon to, to talk about, you know, he's the attorney. Uh, I'm just the political guy. Okay.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Please keep us updated with your progress.
3: We will do it. Thank you very much, Ari.
0: All right. We'll be back after a brief word from... <laughs> to wrap up this week's episode, or today's episode of Canary and Coal Mine, something interesting. I started reading the new Ready Player Two, which is a sequel to Ready Player One. It is a leftist opium, opiate, opiate, opius, opiate, opius. It just, you know, the first one was great. It had all these 80s references. It had all this pop culture references. It had all this sci-fi stuff, all this nerd fandom. It was great. It was a fun book. This one, it was like it's trying to outwoke itself. It also felt like they were trying so hard to write a sequel to make money. I did not see any benefit in this book. It wasn't fun at all. I am just not enjoying it. Flip that over for a second. I started watching the Amazon show The Boys about a bunch of superheroes that are all corporately sponsored and horrible, horrible people. I'm not sure if I like this show yet. I kind of like my superheroes to be superheroes. You know, I don't like the the dark, they're awful people kind of thing. It just, it kind of bothers me. So this show kind of bothers me, but yet I can't look away. I'm not going to say it's like a train wreck because the show is very well done, but I just can't look away. All these people are hating on the second season because it's political. You know, whatever. If they made it political, they made it political. I don't really care. I watch this stuff to get away from politics. So unless it's overt, I'm not going to care. Yes, there were some overt political references. Yes, there were some obvious digs of truth. It's Hollywood. What do you expect? If you're watching TV, you're going to see that these days. That wasn't my biggest problem. It's just, it's graphic. It's really graphic. And yet I can't stop watching the thing. Anyway, those are a couple things while you're trapped in lockdown or go break lockdown and find other things to do. But either event, we'll see you next time on the next episode of Canary Nicole Mine. I'm a man of